before we start here. All right. Leftists may claim that their activism is motivated by compassion or by moral principles. And moral principle does play a role for leftists of the over-socialized type. But compassion and moral principle cannot be the main motives for leftist activism. Hostility is too prominent a component of leftist behavior. So is the drive for power. Moreover, much leftist behavior is not rationally calculated to be of benefit to the people whom the leftists claim to be trying to help. For example, if one believes that affirmative action is good for black people, does it make sense to demand affirmative action in hostile or dogmatic terms? Obviously, it would be more productive to take a diplomatic and conciliatory approach that would make at least verbal and symbolic concessions to white people who think that affirmative action discriminates against them. But leftist activists do not take such an approach because it would not satisfy their emotional needs. Helping black people is not their goal. Instead, race problems serve as an excuse for them to express their own hostility and frustrated need for power. In doing so, they actually harm black people because the activist's hostile attitude towards the white majority tends to intensify race hatred. If our society has no problems at all, the leftists would have to invent problems in order to provide themselves with an excuse for making a fuss. Comments? I think an easier way to narrow it down, talking about the right aesthetic and the, the left, is to, because they both seem to be um, made up of what they exclude. Um, so it's kind of what is allowed in these two spaces, what is proper in these two spaces. Yeah. Um, and well, I feel like politics, you know, you know, scare quotes, politics has become just boundary policing at this point. There's no real political, like, there doesn't seem to be a concern for politics as such, at least. In, yeah, well, you we know. should define what we think that is, because I, I agree with you. And I think the reason why is that the common conception among most of the actors in the political theater is that for them, politics is about finding a way to make this institution go on forever not about changing the basic terms in which we operate or, right. or, or even managing with conflicts or something. It's, it's about, well, maybe it is managing conflicts, but in a way that nothing changes. I mean, how, how, what do you understand by politics such, such that it seems that way to you? That they don't have any concept of politics. I mean, politics is about, I mean, I'm kind of Schmidtian, I guess, in, the, in in that sense. It's about like the friend enemy distinction, and it's not about consensus. It's not about discourse. Um, it's about power and about material. So, if we're talking about this aesthetic, right, the appearance of this politics, it's about who is presented and who isn't presented, and what you present. So, um, I'll start with the right because the right is 
the right projects what they are a lot better than the left um, because it's, you know, white male dominated, white male Christian dominance. Right. And that's generally, you know, very easy to peg. You know, um, you have to be uh, vaguely a patriot, you know, um, nationalist, um, which means that um, you believe in God, guns and country. Um, then, you know, sorry. No, I just cannot laugh when I hear that kind of shit. I mean, and then, so we're just talking about what things seem like to us. And then the secondary thing is you have to maintain that power. Like we were discussing in like the Christian context, why I would say um, right-wing Christians are more like the jocks because what you often hear out of them is stuff about the Old Testament rather than the New Testament, right? Which you would think, why aren't they um, Jewish if all they want to read is the Old Testament, right? Mm. But um, what they talk about is like um, Levitican law or they talk about, you know, um, um, you know, like um, the Old Testament justice. Yeah, they're not big on forgiveness. No. The neighbor, they're more, you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's not love that neighbor type of politics. It's the Old Testament God and the Old Testament God is a war God. The Maybe Old Testament God Israel is win, so wins. Maybe that's why they love Israel so no, much. They love Israel for an insane reason. It's because of the rapture. Also insane. Yeah. So um, that's something different. But I mean, the aesthetic on the right is to project power. So it is an engagement in what you're talking about is politics. But that projection is um, always muscular, right? I wouldn't even say it's masculine. It's just pure muscle, right? We're, we're going to tell you what we can and mm. cannot yeah. do, what you can and cannot do. And if you tell us anything different, you're oppressing us. Controller, dominator. Yes. So the, so the impression they're trying to convey to everyone around them is, I'm in control. Right. Mm. We're in control. We know what's best. And um, Well, I mean, I think actually the right has a better understanding of politics than the left does. Sure. Agreed. Um, I mean, look at someone like Mitch McConnell. He knows what politics is and he's ruthless and people always say like, you know, the most th like when with Merrick Garland, he, mm -hmm. you know, wouldn't let the nomination happen with Merrick Garland. And then of course this time around, he mm -hmm. contradicted himself and he was, you can't do that. That's not well, fair. That's the ultimate. And of course his, the point is, is yeah, you can, you can do whatever you want. That's, and the, that's the point. That's the mark of a liberal <laughs> is saying you hypocrite. Right. Because politics, in politics, it doesn't matter. Hypocr hypocrisy doesn't matter. What was it's about doing what you got to do to win. Yeah. What was <laughs> it you said to me once about the reproach of hypocrisy? That is, how did you put it? What the reproach? We, we were talking about, what was it in the context of uh, some political discussion? You said, I don't know, reproach of hypocrisy is for losers. I don't remember. You put it some pithy way. I can't remember. I don't know. Um, what I would say about hypocrisy is that. Um, hypocrisy is baked into the, the, the game, right? Hypocrisy mm. is the game. Mm. Yeah. Um, so if you have a chance to be a hypocrite, that only means that you have a chance to be victorious. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter. Um, what you want to do is limit your opponent's ability to be a hypocrite. That's kind of mm -hmm. the point. Mm -hmm. And the only people who are moved by hypocrisy um, is are people on the left. Right. Mm -hmm. It's yep. um what does that say though? And it's a conflation of hypocrisy versus contradiction. Mm. Right. So people conflate those things. Um because you can't say that 
pointing out hypocrisy is always bad, but pointing out hypocrisy, um, like in the context of the Supreme Court cases or Donald Trump saying one thing one day or one thing another day, that's useless, mm-hmm. right? But if you're pointing out a contradiction in the logic, you know, like, um, I don't know, um, like issues on the border, right? Mm-hmm. When people say, we want a safe and secure border, and then the contradiction is you militarize the border, mm-hmm. which necessarily makes it unsafe. Or you have coups in, in Central yeah, America. Yeah, you have coups in Central America, which makes the border unsafe when you could do things like, you could still have that same level of, we want to have a safe border and a non-open border, and say, instead of sending soldiers, we're going to send lawyers to process these people faster. Because if you do that, the law is the same. Um you know, regardless the law, you can make the law, whatever you want Mm -hmm. and the law can keep the people out rather than you having this performance of military. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I mean when I'm talking about the right aesthetic, that's where the aesthetic comes into play because they can't do the, the, the lawyer idea. They Mm -hmm. can't go with the lawyers Mm -hmm. because that makes them looks like, look like pacifists, look like pussies. And they have to send in the military with guns mm-hmm. because that makes you look strong. I mean, right? the lawyer would be like the caricature of the East Coast elite that the right wingers always complain about, like Hillary Clinton and the, um, what is it, the thing she always wore, um, pantsuit thing oh, up yeah. there with all the law books and you know, mm-hmm. blah, blah. So they can't do that. They have to have like guns, I guess. But what does that say, though? Because it's interesting. So what does it say about the difference between left and right conception of politics uh, in America if for the left it makes sense to reproach someone for being a hypocrite and for the right they almost just laugh? I mean, it doesn't make sense for them. I mean, I, I think on the left, what you can't do is dismiss academics. So the worst thing you can be is a hypocrite if you're talking about an academic person, right? So I think on the left, on the right, it's about power. We need to present ourselves as strong. Mm-hmm. Um, on the left, it's we need to present ourselves as um, intelligent mm-hmm. and informed and mm-hmm. right more than anything else. Mm-hmm. We are right, not we're and, and on 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 the left, we're right because we have the best information. Um, mm-hmm. We read the best books, and on the right, they are right as incorrect mm-hmm. um, because we can. Well, also, I mean, the theological component always helps with a lot of Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we've got the only book that matters, and we don't even need to read it, but whatever. Yeah. I see see the gears turning, Adam. Oh, no, I was just thinking about correctness. Mm Because it seems like the left is obsessed with being correct. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas the fact right, the right. Yeah, fact checker, yeah. The right is not, the right doesn't care about being correct. The right just wants power. You that's know? the thing, though. I, that's the thing. I think one way to dice this left-right thing in the States is um, the left wants, like, fair, transparent rules so the game can be played. Like, let's mm-hmm. have a good, clean fight, gentlemen. Yeah. And the right mm-hmm. says, I've got a goal, and I'll win it by whatever means necessary, right. which right. I think is truer to politics. Politics mm-hmm. is about, like, I got this goal, and I'm going to break some eggs on the way to making that omelet. We dropped the atom bomb in World War II. Democrat. Of course. But what I mean is that, like, I mean, that was, you know, that was dirty, but that ended it. You know what I mean? I'm not saying I support it. Uh, it was a bad thing. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but um, 
you know, I think both can be debilitating to actual um, politics or on the right. It's not as debilitating to their politics, but it can be because it's very exclusionary. And I don't know if you can build a good coalition, but if you can find ways to implement a certain degree of apartheid within your uh, state, then you can keep going with that type of a state. Right, you don't need a coalition. You right. just need the strongest to dominate right. the weakest. And on the left, it's extremely debilitating. And I think the further left you go, the more debilitating it gets. Um, because at least when you're talking about a centrist on the left, um, they're hypocrites. Right. They are hypocrites. They'll say, um, you know, we support workers and we support this and this. But, you know, we need to work together with, you know, banks and financial companies. And, you know, um, we need to make sure every, we, they believe in the meritocracy. We need to make sure people get an education, you know, whatever. You know, even if they get an education, they can't get a job. That doesn't matter. It's the education. They that need matters. a fair shot. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, they need access to this or to that. And. That's a centrist point of view. And, it, you know, it, it's just purely hypocritic, right? But, you know, it at least has a, a theory behind it, right? We give everybody access. Everyone competes fairly, like you were saying. No plaster in the gloves. Then, you know, uh, it's, it's fair, you know, and that's all that matters. And then the further you go left, when you kind of get out of that fairness mode and you get into this more need to be righteous, mm -hmm. to be more correct, to be morally correct, right? You go into morals on the far left, mm -hmm. you start getting into more identity politics mm -hmm. and the politics becomes less about economics, mm -hmm. which would be the fair shot, you know, right or wrong. It becomes more about identity, right? Whose identity is included. And on the left, I haven't been able to peg it. Um, you know, it's like on the left, on the right, you're never going to hear anything about LGBTQ, you know, XX. Um, Maybe in 30 years. Okay. Um, but on the, on, on the left, you're going to hear all about that. And, you know, if you don't understand it, you're damned, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't automatically come in with that understanding, if you weren't pretty much born with it, you're not included. So... It gets to a level of we want to include all of the oppressed people mm -hmm. to the exclusion of the people we deem to be not oppressed. Right. And then we lampoon those people. So there is an oppression on there. there there's an oppressive force on the left. And it it's 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 a way of using um, oppressed people um, to kind of um, be a crutch mm. against any type of criticism. At the end of the day. To just immune, immunize themselves against criticism. Yes. And it gives you an easy out when you're criticizing other people. Because you can say, look, why aren't the majority of the different types of people on this side? Instead of, you know, talking about the economic factors, why people should be on your side versus their side. It becomes why these identities are on your side versus their side. So you're saying like the left says, uh, well, uh, the right wing's all white Christian, Christian heterosexual men, right. what a coincidence. And the left, wait, the left says that about the right. The left says that about the right. And the right says, I'm not a racist. I've got a black friend. I mean, they both have their sort of things that they, that mm -hmm. they're 
And I think the right is moving even more today. They don't even care about I have a black friend. They say what's wrong with white Christian males, you know, and then the left tends to have no answer. It's just, ha ha ha. What do you mean what's wrong? You should like, like you should know what's wrong. And everyone else, you know, 65% of the elect, well, I don't Let me say the other 50% who vote for Republicans are like, I don't know what you're talking about. It sounds ridiculous. You're not explaining it. I'm not a part of your culture. Mm. And, you know, if that's all you got, fuck you. Like I used to say to my buddy, um, you know, he used to ask me why I vote Democrat. Right. And I was like, here's the difference between Republicans and Democrats to me, you know, being a black man is, you know, um, Republicans and Democrats both say, I'm not going to give you shit. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But the uh, Republican Party is going to call me a nigger while they're doing it. So I can't be a part of that because it's just de facto exclusionary to me where, you know, I know on the left, there's no economic policy that I'm really rallying behind. You know, that's to be seen lately Mm -hmm. with the left getting more power Mm -hmm. in politics Mm -hmm. um, and how that manifests. But as it's been since I was born in 1988, that's how the parties have functioned, Mm -hmm. you know? And every time someone comes up, whether it's Jesse Jackson or Bernie Sanders, who doesn't have those politics, people hit them with, why aren't you talking about identity? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you should know that that's that's not the important part, you know? And it's just... I don't know. What do you guys think about like on the right as far as their approach to uh, economics? Is it clearer? And why do white Christian males gravitate towards uh, the Republican Party? Because I think the flip side that I said to my friend is that the Republican Party and the Democratic Party aren't going to give you anything. And if you're a white guy, they're not going to call you. The Republican Party is not going to call you racist. Mm -hmm. So you're going to go with that Mm -hmm. because they're at least offering you something to identify with, you know, mm. and as long as these politics play out, you know, um, aesthetically, and I'm not saying literally, mm-hmm. right, right. Um, in those ways, signaling, yeah. but as, lo- yeah, as long as that is the uh, appearance, the signal that they're giving to people, then that's how people are going to respond to it. Because I think what you're advertising sticks in people's heads more than the economics mm-hmm. we saw that's why bernie sanders lost right his policies have overwhelming support but you know people thought oh he can't beat donald trump because he said socialist which mm-hmm. aesthetically said to people we can't go with that because we can't win with that i don't think that's true but but um you named a couple things i mean I think we're reaching the point where the left-right thing is too crude because we've actually got multiple things going on. So you got the GOP right, you got the sort of Trump movement that's on the so-called right. Then you got the sort of establishment Democrats on the so-called left, and then you got a smattering of various different um, species of leftoid. Mm-hmm. You know, you got yeah. anarchist, whatever, and. and you know, self-designating socialists, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's we have to parse these things out because they each signal what they take themselves to be differently. The other thing is this question, why aren't you talking about identity the way that gets posed to Jesse Jackson or Bernie Sanders? 
That's an interesting question we should answer. And also, I think there is yeah, no economic theory. the cat wants to answer. Yeah. Trader, <laughs> come here. Come here, Baba. <laughs> I think, I don't think there is an economic theory on the sides because neither one of them has any sort of serious view. The right's just like... Well, it is interesting, you know, Marco Rubio just said, I mean, and this is funny if this ever, you know, I've often joked that I think that we're more likely to get Medicare for all from a Republican than we are from a Democrat. And Marco Rubio just tweeted, uh, you know, the Republican Party has to, we have to stop relying on corporations and big business. We have to become a a multiracial, a Mm multiracial uh, party for working people again. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, I mean, that's the rightward shift of the word. Which is crazy concern. because like, you know, you can't even get most Democrats to tweet something that banal out. No, you certainly They can. won't do it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Saying, Republicans have been saying that a long time. Didn't they not have like that, that whole not, autopsy well, not, after Mitt Romney lost? Well, not quite like that though. I mean, I think that they're really sort of embracing a certain idea like Tucker Carlson populism, the everyman working class guy. Like he also, um, Rubio also quoted MMT because they're smart place. enough to understand that that's the way the wind's blowing. Right. Well, that's the I nature mean, of hegemony, right? You have to form some kind of consensus so that it's more difficult for the, um, subordinated party to break free than it is to stay. Right. So it's not like they're doing this out of the goodness of their heart. Right. It's a power tactic. Right, of course. They don't care. But I don't but it, think it's an economic power tactic. I don't think they're sending signaling anything is going to change in their party economically. I think what they're doing is the hazard we talked about last in another podcast um, was um, basically that if you only have identity politics, if that's your main force, mm-hmm. then it's easy for Marco Rubio to say something like this and to steal some of your support away because... If they're like, yeah, we're going to, you know, change the way that we project, you know, our politics to include everybody. Um, people, black people have been saying that a long time. There's yeah. a lot of conservative you, black people. If you abandon <laughs> class, labor and economics completely, then it's going to be really easy for anybody to get people who care about that. Exactly. Because all you have to do is say those words and exactly. people will clamor to you. And that's how Trump won. So I think, I mean, this is the wager the Democrats played going out of Hubert Humphrey and uh, race in 68 and into McGovern in 72. I often wonder what would, what, how history would have played out completely. if, if, he, if Humphrey had won in 60 instead of Kennedy, if he'd gotten the nomination. Mm. Mm. I don't know if he would have defeated Nixon, but he was like a populist, you know what I mean? Not, I mean, JFK mm. basically his family just rigged the election for him in mm. 60, you know? Mm. Uh, mm. I don't know. I don't also- know. Huh? Explain the, the Well, they JFK. were bootleggers. They're a crime family. Sure. Yeah, they basically convinced people to um, have a bunch of dead people vote in Illinois, I believe. I mean, don't oh, get boy. me wrong. In the spectrum of things, I mean, JFK had takeovers. Well, sure, sure, sure. I, it's just, I just thought about because I was listening to something about JFK. And I, and I remember there's a great documentary called Primary mm-hmm. um, that came out. That was about the Wisconsin primary in 1960 between Hubert Humphrey and JFK. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Humphrey's interesting because he was really a sort of white working class, mm-hmm. you know, this sort of, he was a labor Democrat and mm-hmm. JFK was like a celebrity. All the women loved him and all the suburban sort of, you know, inner city folk were like, oh, he's a superstar. He's this beautiful, young, sexy politician. So he knows how to speak thing. really well. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
And Humphrey was just this boring old, he was like a Bernie Sanders type, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I mean, I I don't know enough about Humphreys to know understand what his politics were, but it is interesting that the, the aesthetic also was like so the, different. the hayseed that got booted when Truman got the vice and FDR's third term or whatever. What's his name? The farmer guy? Similar situation, Wallace? probably. Henry Wallace. Wallace. Yeah, yeah. Wallace. I mean, but that's why the aesthetic is important, right? What you're yeah. projecting um is actually how you uh garner support. Well, that's why I, that's why I wanted I mean that was one of the reasons I wanted Sanders so much. You know like we had Trump and well we had Obama and Michelle Brock and Michelle. And you know they were this young, attractive, hip, yeah, cool like couple. Then you have like Trump and his like supermodel wife. Now we've got like um Biden and 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 Jill. And, and Jill, you know, Joe Biden and Joe Biden and then Kamala and like her husband. And, but you know, they're all, whoever he you, is, you know, whoever that guy is, <laughs> he's just some white guy. Um, and it's funny because I remember thinking like, I really wanted Bernie Sanders to win because like they were just sort of boring, normal looking people sort of breaks the pattern. Yeah. You know, like his wife's like right. not super, tra- right. she's, you know, Jane is just like a plain, it's kind of like, the, I don't mean that in like a disparaging way. I just like, mean that like, she's just kind of like a real, like an accurate representation of American population. Right. To a certain degree. Obviously. I mean, at that age. Yes. Right. Of I course. Mean, not in every respect, obviously, obviously. I well, mean, cause they're not rich. They dress, you know, Jews they dress, Brooklyn, you know, yeah. and it's not even so much, even just the, the fact that like, you know, she's not some skinny supermodel woman, but the fact that like they dress like normal people mm-hmm. and they fly coach and so forth. And and I remember just thinking like that'd be so great to have a president who just kind of looks like a normal, boring, Represents not aesthetically cool person. You know. Well, you know, yeah, I think, um, I, yeah, I think that's what that's what cannot be permitted. That's what absolutely cannot be permitted. No, I mean, so I was hearing, I don't know who it was. I think. I mean, look at look, look at the look at the squad. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. AOC, she's just an Instagram makeup model at this point. I'm sorry, but that's what that's what she Come is. On, guy. I mean, sorry, that's what she does. She just gets on Instagram and talks to people about how like not ordering Chinese food is racist and stuff. You know, like it's. I like, don't know what she does on Instagram, but Twitter better than what most of what you got. I mean, Katie Porter is a beast. She, she AOC is not her, right? Um, but I mean, you know, it, it's it's better than. You know, um, all the the congressmen coming up wearing kente cloth in suits. That's well, just, but what I mean is that what I mean is that like they're they're frame. You know, they're so like there's a kind of sexiness to all of them. You know what yeah, I, I mean? mean the, and and, well, yeah. and and there's and, a sexiness to Rashida Tlaib. I think Rashida Tlaib is gorgeous. I think she's she looks good, but I don't think there's a sexiness to her. Maybe less so than AOC okay, and Ilhan or something. Not, but uh, start really mincing yeah. distinctions here. I mean. I think what but you're what saying is. What I mean is, is that, like, there's something imminently cool about them, right? Yeah, you gotta. Yeah, it's gotta be marketable. The goods have to like be marketable. not none of them. None of them seem like your average working class person. I mean, Bernie Sanders was like a used bookstore book. You know what I mean? It's not marketable. These goods are not marketable. Yeah, I don't know. I just think the thing is, right? I think. If you're talking about the squad, I think that presentation is is positive, right? You have to have a presentation. You're going to have to pick one. And if you're talking about, you know, an empowered female aesthetic, that's one to present. 
right? You can present that. You can do something with that. It brings people to the table. You know, with Bernie Sanders, why I like Bernie Sanders isn't necessarily, it wasn't because of any aesthetic. It's because there was none for me. And that allowed, you know, everyone to come in, you know, in support of Bernie Sanders from, you know, like, like Killer Mike and Cardi B to, you know, some guy working on a farm, you know, everybody could come into that and everyone could put their own flavor into it because there was nothing because it was just politics. Yeah. Well, I mean, working people could get into that. Right. Uh, that's the thing. I mean, by the way, I mean, the, I think, uh, the, the gambit of the Democrats has been, has been, you know, we're not going to talk about workers. We're going to talk about group A, Z, A through Z, um, subgroups. Yeah. They never say the word worker. But you could just say working people, and then you'd cover everybody, right? Right, of course. But they don't want to do that. And that's, that's the impasse of it all. Thank you, sir. Um, but the thing is, when you got people like Killer Mike, Cardi B, blah, blah, coming out, um, those people understand. And you wouldn't expect it, maybe, from the standpoint of the identity politics left. Um, You'd think it'd just be like, I don't know, a left version of Trump Trumpism or something, but mm -hmm. that isn't what happened. Anyways, so so let's so we're dicing it up a little more precisely. You got old GOP, basically alt-right, MAGA, fools, the panoply of leftoids, and then sort of establishment Democrats. We should, let's just go through each of these. How do these signal like what they want to be seen as to other people? Okay. So let's start with GOP. Like the standard GOP, like old the, school the standard one, yeah. Like Lindsey Graham and these kinds of these. Well, he's he's gotten a little too invested in the Trump thing. Maybe I don't know. What do you think? But well, I mean, like Mitt Romney, right? Yeah, he's kind of classic GOP the guy. Bushes are or there, the Bushes, typical. yeah, yeah. Well, George H. W. Bush. Speaking of Kennedy, absolutely assassinated Kennedy. <laughs> they're the last of the the wasps. The uh, yeah, the, it's the, the thing. Bushes. I think the whole they're, they're, but they're all Yale educated. Um, you know, rich. I mean, they're getting mixed up with the Reagan thing, I think, was, um, I feel like that was a way, a bargain, on, like a tactical wager on their part, because oh, it's all right. they're a little, they're, they're kind of more elite than, than that whole thing. I don't know. Yeah. So anyways, that camp. Well, they were, I mean, what's funny, Reagan was just a Democrat who, who was a union guy mm. in like the fifties. And then he disliked being taxed a bunch. So he basically became a Republican. Mm. Isn't that insane? That his entire we we live under the shadow of Reagan and it's he, he was a union guy and the reason that we live he under changed. the shadow he just he just didn't want to pay taxes. That mm. was like his main that's fucking crazy. But I have also heard quotes of him saying that a bus driver pays more taxes than corporations. That's just crazy. Sure. So I don't go? think he's as wacko as, as, as I, the Reaganites. Um, I mean, de definitely. I mean, he's kind of out to lunch, but it doesn't matter. Those, that's the group. So the GOP, so what, I mean, their aesthetic is what? I mean, they have a kind of um, sober, uh, it is the sort of boat owning, uh, Boat owner. Right? No? That sounds right. like a good I mean, insult. a lot of people uh, um, said that Trump was all, his base was like boat owning losers or whatever. But like, 
Boat owning losers? Well, not losers, but you know, the boat owners, the boat, like, you yeah, know, the sort the of. Parades. I think the GOP, though. But those um, were small boats that sank, weren't they? <laughs> God. <laughs> 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 well, I'll, 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 I'll keep going. I, I think the, the GOP is more um, like, um, you know, we want everyone to. Um, it's. More like they're they're bootstraps in morality, uh-huh. you know. Um, you work hard to get to where you are. I worked hard. You have to work hard. Um, you know, family is the only thing that's important. And country, um, right? Too right. Project how they project it. Yes, country is very important. You know, it's us red scare type of stuff. Us against the commies mm-hmm. and. Um, you Isn't know, the country just sort of an extension of family, though, for the Republican Party? Could be. Could be. But, I mean... You know, like, the idea of being an American, like, the idea of having an American identity is almost something that has nothing to do with, like, a legal status so much as it has to do with... Oh, right, being American. ...something almost biological. Not in, like, a fascist blood and soil sense, but, like, a, you know... um Sort of nostalgic, a man and his wife togetherness kind of stuff. Yeah. Of well, they they don't show the sort of um, sympathy, and uh, they don't care about their fellow countrymen the way they would probably care about their family. So sure. that makes a distinction. Sure. But, I mean, the way I would characterize it, what they want to signal is, um, we are respectable, mm-hmm. dignified, mm-hmm. Um, self-respecting. Mm-hmm. honorable people mm-hmm. who work hard and don't want anything for free from anyone else. Right. It's a, a And that's di- how you should be too. Yeah. Di- yes. Dignity is a big thing, I think, for the Republican Party. You know, the dignity of work. And that's um, why Trump was so offensive because he, his whole, his whole way of, how do I say, exercising his confidence is through transgressing those kind of norms. Right. Yeah, dignity and honor. I mean, so, I mean, I think work is always a big, is always an interesting question. Like with any of these groups, the question is sort of like, what what do they think about work? Republican Party, at least the GOP, work is good. Work is honorable. And doing a job is like, you know, that like makes you, that builds mm-hmm. character. So the antithesis of this attitude would be the idea that work is fundamentally exploitation. Right. Because they you know, they think exploitation might be a norm, uh, sorry, an exception, but the norm is that work is good. Right. Well, because they believe in the contract. Mm. There's a fairness to the contract. Contractarian. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I have money. I got something you need to be done. You need a job. Simple as that. Mm. End, of, end, end of discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas if you think, you know, if you're a member of the left or maybe you're sort of dirt bag left, you know, as some people call it. Like you don't like work. I'm fucking lazy. If you were, I am a, I'm a profoundly lazy human being and I fucking hate work. The people who say they like work, they don't work. Cause I would say the GOP aesthetic isn't even necessarily that they respect work. Um, they like hard, they, they, they project that hard work is good mainly because of what it can do for them. But more important than work is money is good. If you make money, mm-hmm. then you're good. And Coming work is a way stone. to make money, mm-hmm. right? Because if they were talking about work is good, they would be in favor of, um, you know, um, unions. But they're not. Right. 
Um, so I would say it's it's actually the fetish of the entrepreneur kind yes. of like I, I'm a I'm a sharp guy who can get ahead because I've done my homework and I blah 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 and I've earned it fair and square. I think that's the idea. It's not really the valorization of work. It's like having earned it. That's what they. It's it's, it's frontier politics. You know, as long as there you you go out and you chart your own course and you make a name for yourself, that's good. Yeah, sure. Um, not the work you do is necessarily good. Um, well, I don't think they. I get where you're coming from because George Bush is the thing he got criticized for saying was he was talking about a woman with three jobs and he was like, "That's American," you know. Right. And I mean, it's sort of like when they when they are forced to talk when they are forced to address. The fact that we live in a painfully, you know, unequal society, um, they will say like, well, you know, people, people do what they have to do and that's good. That's good for them. You know, like that's what America's about. You know, you can mm-hmm. work a couple jobs and send your kids off to college or what have you, you know, the sort of pride. In a um, job well done. Right, you know, like you don't you don't rely on the government for for self reliance is yeah. the main thing, and being able to brag about right. And I think self reliance feeds into work because the point is is that if you have a job, you're not relying on right. the government or someone to just give you money. You're actually doing something for it. Right. So I think what that is picking up on is that other camps in this sort of map they valorize work too, but in a different way. Right. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Um, Right, because I mean, for instance, the the working class members of the Republican Party they'll think about work in a similar but different way, probably. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that comes out when you go um, to the working class of the Republican Party is um, work is good, and it's more in a um, a cultural sense of what work is. Like, um, my father was a coal miner, so I'm going to be a coal miner. You know, tradition. My father was a police officer, so I'm going to be a police officer. This is good work. This is what we do. You know, and that doesn't. Yeah, GOP is big on on tradition. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. No, no, the left is anti-tradition. Like, my dad was a coal miner, so I'm not going to be a coal miner. On on the left, it's more like my dad was a coal miner, so that he could send me to college, so that I don't have to be a coal miner. So that I can cut the benefits of coal miners when I get a job at a consulting firm. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so that I could eventually get a position in the Democratic Party and act like I come from a working class family. Because I do, but I threw them under the bus. Yeah. Something like that, right? Yeah. So here, so let, let, let's, well, keep on transitioning in the, in the proper direction. Let's talk about the- uh, I'm trying to have fun The MAGA people, right? To, okay, yeah, so we're having fun. One, one thing you said, though, was interesting. What you basically said is we have to dice the GOP into the ruling class part and the ruled part, the working class part. But, I mean, okay, let's we won't multiply the distinctions anymore, I guess. Alt-right. The alt-right? Is that is that the Trump right? I don't know. Like, yeah, the, the, the let's say, non-conforming Republicans. I which, think, which I think, to a considerable extent, has absorbed the the dominated working class portion of the Republican Party. Sure, and I think, in my mind, they're they're actually closer to anarchists. Mm. To me, um, what they have is a critique, a constant critique of the system. The media is out to get you. The politicians, you need to drain the swamp. Everything must go. Mm. And then you ask them, 
And what is going to replace it, they don't know necessarily. Then they go back to what they, they can, unlike the left, they can go back to tradition to tell you what should replace it. Well, in that respect, they're like those old anarcho-syndicalists like Bakunin and the rest. They said like, well, we don't know what's going to come next, but we won't know until we have the revolution and depose the state. And then we can settle that question. So, I mean, I think you're onto something. Like, they, they're like anarcho-syndicalists, but with traditional values. But I think what they think with the traditional that's values also the fascist is thing, when we um, yeah. destroy the state, it's just going to automatically go back to what it was, which was good for us. <clears throat> right. Without contemplating what that that mm-hmm. they were poor then. Mm-hmm. And if the state is gone, they'll be poor again. They'll still be poor. Normal, honest, salt of the earth people. That's what exists when you strip off the sort of extraneous layer of state repression. I guess that's the but idea. I mean, there. I, I feel like the the MAGA crew. Also, I, the Proud Boys, they're getting really weird, I saw. The guy weird. comes out and said, I'm not pretending anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm a white nationalist. It's a new leader. Yeah. Yeah, those guys are fucking. Because they were losers. denying it forever, right? Yeah. But I mean, I feel like all of these people, the MAGA crowd, you know, and the even the Proud Boys, even I think Richard Spencer, you know, the alt right, even Richard Spencer. I think the world coming to. (laughs) No, but what I mean is that I think the 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 sort of characteristic that they all share is resentment. I think they are deeply, deeply resentful of quote unquote, the elites yeah. in different ways. Richard Spencer just wants to be an elite, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a private well, he school educated, a, yeah, you know, went to Chicago cotton, and then went to Duke and then dropped out. Well, it comes from a cotton farm. Yeah. Does he want to be an elite or does he want what he is to be elite? Well, he thinks he's better than the elite, right? So he wants what he is right, to be right. elite. He's already good enough. He just wants that to be recognized. Right. It's Which the is kind of like thing. when when you haven't uh, achieved the sort of recognition that you want, you think, well, fuck them. I'm better than them anyway. Yeah, you know, it is sort the real of, like loser bullied mentality. It is. And I think that that mm. is, I mean, Proud Boys, big time. All those guys are fucking polo wearing fucking loser douchebags who just like. Signal strength outward to like sort of overcompensate or what's the idea? Well, right. I mean, their whole like their fucking hatred of Jews and, and shit. It's just, it's obviously like, it's obviously about. like they think. The Jewish people are successful and basically are the elite, right? Because they buy into this sort of like the Jews own the media shit. And they think, fuck them. They don't really know what it's like. You know, oh. I'm a better fucking American than they are. Poor babies. Mm. They don't know what it's like. Right. It's like that Everlast song, you oh. know? So the, another thing you're touching song. on is like the hoarding of what is American. Is is Yeah, this is our constant. Right. Oh, yeah. To- oh, totally. Yeah. That's that's the one that if we're gonna get fun with it, or- and then I think, but just to, just to finish up, I think regular MAGA, sort of your everyday MAGA person, if it's maybe uh, some person in the lumpen or even like the kind of lumpen bourgeoisie, like mm. so not you know, an small, ideologue, but small, let's say a voter, a small business owner type. I think they all just have a deep resentment for the educated mm-hmm. sort of, you know, you ain't no better than me, politics. Silicon Valley. Kind of mm-hmm. techn- technocrats, you know. The What's sort the, of- the anti Yale pantsuit? Right, exactly. They don't. Li- they, 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 they. I think they are deeply threatened by, um, by the university. Well, resentment is something that I think the the that st- 
stripe of right winger shares with a certain stripe of left winger, but we'll come to that. What are you going to say, Thaddeus? Sure, 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 sure. Oh, I forget what yeah, resentment is definitely not exclusive oh. to the to the right to the MAGA crew. I just think it's very prominent. Um, well, I mean, okay, they, so resentment in American politics. I mean, when I think of okay, so this is sort of limited to my biography where I come from and so forth. But when I think of resentment, I think of poor rural whites. Honestly, that's what I think of. Well, of course, but I think that um, so that fits perfectly with that image, like. You know, sort of inferiority complex, yeah. lack of education. But I think even like the sort of somewhat well downwardly mobile middle class, you know, these kinds of people who haven't become as rich as they want to be. They're, they're maybe, they would, yeah. yeah, right. And they have a sort of, they have a deep resentment. They have a, uh, they're, I think they're bitter about their lot in life because maybe they did everything they thought they were supposed to do to make it, well, to be a big, PMC. you know what I mean? And they got screwed because of X, Y, Z. Well, ultimately you know, they because moved, of You know, they live in the dynamics. suburbs and then guess what? Suddenly, suddenly property value is dropping and uh, all the rich white people are moving back to the city and like, you know, you state your claim. Or an opioid claim. epidemic or whatever. Right, of course. There's all sorts of factors that maybe they're thinking like, I mean, this would lead obviously one to a kind of racial understanding of what of their situation and two just the sort of the resentment of like not being as as successful as the guy above them um well it's basically impotent rage yeah i'm powerless and i don't like this i I mean imagine you're just some schmuck who toils away at a business you know you got your own thing you're trying to get ahead you're trying to sort of like well that's not so hard you know yeah of course <laughs> so you're talking about the erectile dysfunctional part of the, uh, the, i just mean you think about it, you're doing this for 20 years or whatever and it mean, I, I, I was just trying to say i think meanwhile, this group has you the see, resentment market you know you basically do respect. this in relative obscurity meanwhile you see a kind of this sort of educated right right you know uh left they have a monopoly on success right of course or it's not fair. or you just have like rich billionaires who you really want to you really just want to be a rich guy who like you just want to fuck be one supermodels or whatever yeah but you're not one of them you're just some nobody who has a small business that no one cares about um do you think um so two things with that um going back a little bit and talking about the like monopolization of what is American or, mm, or American. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, American. also like the GOP, um, a very important thing I think about their presentation is the military. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may come from, you know, the erectile dysfunction or the um, failed football player mentality mm-hmm. and where you can find merit easily um, is in, Anything that's militarized, police are always heroes. Oh, it's you know? super masculine potency. Um, oh, yeah. Soldiers are always heroes. Whether you talk to them or not, whether you know any of them or not, they're all heroes, right? Um, no matter what they do, you know, in their position, mm-hmm. um, combatives, combat support, no matter what, they're all heroes. Mm-hmm. All police are heroes. They all need to be respected, right? But a teacher isn't, no. you know? And if we're actually boiling things down to impact on crime. Teachers are basically women, right? Yeah. Teachers are women, you know? So um, I'm wondering where that idea of like this monopolization of the military and of like the military as a representation of America. Like I support the flag, which means I support the troops. 
but mm. not what the troops are Which protecting, means, uh, just the troops ambiguously, you know? Well, it's all just, you know, sort of role play. I mean... But even the left is trying to do... I mean, Pete Buttigieg was doing this big time recently. Like, I love, we love the troops, you know, because he is the troops. Yeah, but I think... Well, that's trying to get centrist votes. I mean, yes. he's, he's a CIA freak, but whatever. I think Pete Buttigieg's claims of we support the troops were the same opportunism as Marco Rubio saying we need to be yeah. a party yeah, that of course. includes everyone. It's... Yeah. They're trying to sort of it's uh, not try, they're trying to triangulate. You know what, though? I yeah. think, so yeah. I'm not a fan of Marco Rubio, but I think it's probably a little more sincere coming from him. And that is not to his credit. I think Marco Rubio actually is more sincere than Pete Buttigieg. I think, I Pete think Buttigieg it is. is. One of the fucking most shameless motherfuckers in politics I've seen in a long time. But I think Pete Buttigieg is more genuine in that it's possible for the... Democrats to make a claim on patriotism and support for the troops than for the GOP to be inclusive of other groups of people. So I, th- I think the, I think the, the military fetish is like, um, do you ever see the movie blue velvet? No. The David Lynch movie. Oh yeah. Frank. There's this guy, Frank in there and he's Dennis su- Hopper. Dennis right? Hopper's yeah. character. He's super violent and he forces people to do what he wants and they don't want to do it, obviously, but he forces them to like violently. And it's this super masculine strength. He doesn't look like a strong guy, but he's just extremely violent. And it's a kind of over overcompensating violence and um, sort of masculine paternal uh, agency. But of course, like a powerful father doesn't need to use violence to get the kid to behave just the father right. just looks and the kid simmers down but i think that's i think that's part of the right psychological dynamic it's like you know if you were actually as powerful as you thought you were you wouldn't need to obsess about the military and use force you just cast one glance and people would understand that you're the leader and they right. should obey tread softly but carry a big stick yeah and they don't they don't actually have that so they have to like you know crash crash through they have to live vicariously through the military because like you were saying they have that resentment because and occasionally be a bull and they're not recognized so i mean resentment is a powerful they're looking for recognition resentment is powerful on both the left and the right and i think a lot of it has to do with broader concept you know the sort of broader social structures that produce inequality but that get I think filter down through different kind of cultural signifiers on the right, obviously it's economic success and on the left it's intellectual or like, uh, right. You know, I guess I wouldn't even call it economic success. It's, it's, um, wealth because it's right, not particularly, right. I mean, they don't understand right. it in an economic way. It's just like, I'm wealthy. The right winger says I'm wealthy and the left winger says I'm smart. Right. Right. Exactly. That's what I, I mean. That's, that's what I meant the by crude psychology yeah. of American politics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Crude but true. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that dichotomy and the question explains is, a lot. Who did you like more in school? The kid who could throw a good party with his money, drove a nice car, or the kid who roses, raises his hand and asks the teacher, "Do we have to turn in our homework today?" Please elaborate. <laughs> I fucking hated that kid. Hated. I definitely hated that kid. But I also didn't like the rich kids who threw the good party. 
I was friends with all the losers and the outcasts and the people who got their asses beaten. That's who I wanted to be friends with in school. I think we should start with that. Let's, yeah, that that'll that'll lead us into the left nicely. I mean, in the context. which one are we on now? Well, we're, we haven't come forward. I'm at all. saying that like the right wing, like they they have they, they're more hedonistic than the left wing, right? So Impossible. To, to to some degree and some degree not right. So like they, like they the wasps pride themselves not, on not even not at drinking all. alcohol. But if you're talking about the Trump side of this yeah that's a very hedonistic sure 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 aesthetic right right and that's what i get you know when i hang out with you know but i don't know um, there are also that there's also that kind of contingent of like uh trad you know like you're using twitter speak no what i mean is traditional a kind of it um, sounds cooler when you make it short yeah (laughs) i mean i'm short i sound cool right (laughs) (laughs) It was a really bad joke. Wrong. Uh, no, so uh, there's a kind of contingent of this sort of like, uh, let's return to the 1950s. Women should yeah. be yeah. Uh, child rearing, right. stay at home mothers. Fathers should support the family. There should be this. a kind of return to traditional values. In a not in a way that like Republican Party has always been about traditional values, but in this sort of um, obvious, like pornography is bad you know right, the sort right. of whole like, serious moralism serious moralism i've seen that online. that is actually kind Women of rubs against the heat but i think what's what's weird though is that that they embrace trump who is arguably one of the most hedonistic presidents who's ever mm-hmm. fucking and the most licentious the right most right absolutely and illicit so there is a sort of weird contradiction there that there's, there's a kind of wedding of those two aspects you know you might even call it the coincidence uh, the, the unity of opposites no yeah. it's easy because the heat even on the GOP side of the Republicans, right? The wasps, the whatever, um, it's still about getting money, right? It's still about greed. It's still about hedonism. It just, it's, it's just no, it's discipline. Relegated. It's the spirit of capitalism mm-hmm. is puritanical Christianity. Sure, but um, I don't know. I think it directly translates whatever into the whole um aesthetic of. You know, we do whatever, do whatever you want, which is like the libertarian side of things, right? Because that's another part of the right we didn't talk about. And that is a side of the right that wants to be intellectual and hedonistic at the same time. Mm. Um, and I don't know. And, and, and what I've, I've seen it um, explained as is on the right, they have like this hustler mentality. So, you know, like I think something that would speak very well to the right you know, not necessarily in practice is like the movie Scarface. That's like a right wing dream. A man comes from the bottom. He finds some work to do and he turns it into millions and he does whatever he wants. He dominates everybody. Macho Alpha. Right. And that movie explains the right to me more than anything else. A Cuban guy comes here from gets kicked out of a, you know, communist country. He finds, you know, the criminal enterprise that he's good at and he works his way up in that criminal enterprise to become the boss. And he gets, you know, first you get the money, then you get the power, then you get the women. Right. That's the right to me. Mm -hmm. Right. And that hustler mentality is very um, it's it's approachable. You know, to the guy who wants the good party. Um, and 
there is uh you know there there's there is a corollary on the left but it's it's different you know man i'm having the smell of that cigarette is giving me just like insane cravings? flashbacks. Oh yeah, not cravings. I'm I I haven't had I haven't craved a cigarette in a long time, thankfully. But um, you just I'm having like pure. insane flashbacks to like the year 2000. I'm driving my fucking what was it 1989 Honda Civic that I got for my sister. She gave it to me. I don't know where she got it, but she fucking worked her ass off and bought some fucking shitty car that no one cares about anymore. So I got this old Honda Civic and I used to just drive around and listen to metal hardcore. And I'm just thinking of like the winter time, the cold winter, like the car used to take for fucking ever to heat up. Yeah. And I would, my friends would all smoke in the car Classic. and that smell combined with the cold air coming in right now. is just like giving me just it's insane. A- it's the Insane. Madeleine on your. It is the uh, petite Madeleine. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But. Proust had the tea and the Madeleine. I have the winter air and camel fucking cigarette smoke. <laughs> Let's transition to the left, but in the opposite right. direction. Right. So, so we got left and right, and then we diced it. Yeah. So, not with this stupid square, like mm-hmm. cultural, economic, but like, let's say um, establishment left and right. And anti-establishment left and right. I mean, anytime, anytime you try to divide up these categories, there's always going to be an exception. Well, we have to. Right. I mean, so, I mean, that's, that's, and frankly, that's one of the reasons that why I think class is a better reason to sort of do these things. Because anytime you do these things, someone's like, well, what about these people? And it's like, well, "Well, of course, because there's a multi, there's a sort of multiplicity of cultures. The left, right binary thing is, is too crude to track what's going on. Right. That's true. But it just came back to me why we wanted to talk about um, political theater, signaling the aesthetics of these different groups. One of the things we were talking about was rebellion. Mm-hmm. Rebellion right. versus revolution. Right. And, and so the right doesn't tradition. Okay. The right is traditional. Well, there's a traditional big difference between rebellion and revolution. Right. And the right doesn't really want revolution. Usually there used to be this conservative revolution in Europe. And that kind of right channeled into well, the right. Stuff. I mean, the, the fetish of the of the Confederate flag has always been about the rebel mentality. The rebels, right? The but rebels not flag. it's always just been fuck you. Don't I won't do what you tell me. You know what I mean? The sort right. of like I'm not going to do what you think it's just I should defiance. do. It's a kind of well, and it's also the idea that like w- w- the vast majority of this of of this country is rural. You grow up in small communities where religion is a prominent um, factor in how you understand your place in life. And, you know, you don't really have probably a strong understanding of class as a lot of these communities are fairly. No understanding except for the effect of resentment. Well, and a lot of these communities have a fairly um, monolithic class. You know what I mean? If you live in a rural community, you're probably about as poor as everyone around you. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And so. If you want to rebel and if you want to sort of um, rebel, rebel, you know what I mean? Against against these structures, you can only do so. By transgressing rules. Transgressing rules, right. Which, of course, just reinforces the rule. I fought the law and the law won. Right. I want to get Daddy's take on that so we don't just leave it at that. But let me finish this first. Um, We were talking about rebellion and the rebel without a cause and the sort of like fetish of the sort of 
rebel thing being because rebels for some reason in this country are cool. James Dean, rock and roll, all that stuff. Maybe at least just with some people, I don't know, but it seemed prominent. And the outlaw. The outlaw, right. But revolution Aries haven't been considered cool in that way, except nope. for some, you know, some people. Oh, che Guevara is pretty cool. On t-shirts. Afterwards. Right. Afterwards, yeah, they were yeah, fetished well, afterwards. But like Revolution Jr. is not cool. Revolution the, isn't about transgressing the law. Right. right? And the revolutionary isn't um just concerned with like hedonistic pleasure and Right. right. And that, right. I mean, that tends to be. Well, the rebel is pure negation. The rebel is whatever it is. I would say mere negation. Okay. Mere negation. The rebel is saying, this is what my community thinks whatever I ought to be is, doing. I'm it. Fuck that. Yeah. Whatever it Marks. is, I'm against it. Yeah. The revolution, the revolutionary says, whatever this world is, is wrong and it ought to be something else. Well, let's change it more. Over. Right. Exactly. And and the rebel doesn't ultimately want to change it. Right. The rebel wants the order to stay the same. So the rebel they, likes the way things are. So they, right. Because they're very, the, they're the very rebel, rebel the rebel, their rebelness. Well, kind, the, they prove how cool they are by showing how little they care. Right. right That's right. the signal. But their rebelness no, no, no. actually requires that the things remain basically the way no, they no, are. I, I think because they, they would be rebels regardless. No, they could be. They would just rebel against the revolution. Well, and I think you see well, some that's of, the you, reaction. Right. That's the reaction and that's the that's the alt-right MAGA shit. Where they're right. like, I'm a rebel. I, I'm against changing the order. I'm against, um, uh, well, because, but basically I'm what happened. Well, basically what happened well, yeah, was, well. That, but also like, so. Multiculturalism became the norm. I enforce right? the norm by, okay, so I'm not speaking in my own voice, obviously. But I enforce the norm by reacting against the anti-norm. That's all I've got. Well, right. I mean, think about it, though. Think about when we were growing up. Being gay was, like, transgressive still, right? It was gay. Right. It was gay. It was crazy. It was just, like, you know, people didn't want to be out. Now, like, being gay, no one cares. It's just, it's part of the status quo right, at this it's point. Normal. It's fetishized. Well, it's not progressive and, anymore to to advocate that cause because the progressives have sort of moved Well, precisely, on. and that's great. And it's it's a good thing that it's part of the status quo, frankly. I think it's great. Yes. Right, because it's right? a civil rights issue same and thing people with, should be included. Same thing with like this uh, sort of multicultural, like, uh, you know, um, horizontal, like it's not a, it's not a vertical structure of like my culture is better than yours all cultures are have a Which kind, is a kind, kind of, of claim to legitimacy goes without saying kind of it's thing. just about it's about difference right mm -hmm. and that's great i agree with all of that but that's also become the norm and so if you have that kind of rebel spirit the only thing you can do is conform is then kind of react against it and be like fuck that overreaction which mm. is ultra conformism right actually you see that in a weird way mirrored on the left with the ultra conformism Let's go for it okay so Rebellion versus revolution and cool and so forth. So the, now we got the death of the cool. So now we've got the uh, anti-establishment left. So we started. So we got this triangle. You got to picture it. We got a triangle on the upper right hand corner. You got the establishment Republicans, the GOP right wing. The bottom was what we just talked about. The uh, anti-establishment right wing, alt right, whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. MAGA fools. And then. Then moving leftwards, still on the bottom, you've got the, I don't know why, yeah, I guess it makes sense, put them on the bottom, the anti-establishment left. Also, do you want to weigh in on what he just said? About what? This like, whole spiel about... Uh, I don't know, multiculturalism, rebel, multiculturalism and, and America, all that stuff? rebel. Well, I mean, um, I think the rebel spirit, you know, so I remember going to college and um, I had a buddy who was a metalhead, called him Metal Dave. 
another one of my good friends, right? And Metal Dave was always my example of like why uh, identity doesn't matter because Metal Dave had a hard life and he was a white guy, right? And I was a black kid who, you know, we, we grew up in, in, in relative poverty. If I speak to anyone outside of the country, they'd be like, Psh, you're full of shit, right? But here, relative poverty. But my mom took care of us, right? We I had stability. He didn't have stability. Stability to me is what makes you well well off, mm-hmm. right? If you live in a stable environment, you're well off. I lived in the suburbs. My mom took care of us. We didn't have a dad. We didn't always have enough. We always had enough, but we never had abundance. Mm-hmm. But it was to a degree where I didn't notice, like my my brothers and sisters have to tell me that we were poor because I don't think we were poor. Mm-hmm. Um, but other people tell me we were. But when I met Dave, that's how it goes. Yeah, because you don't know. Um, like the things he would tell me about him growing up, like, well, that was you went from urban suburban to Southern Illinois. Yeah, and he he wasn't from Southern Illinois. He was from you know suburbs in in Illinois too. Oh, but, I see. Um, he grew up in rough circumstances, and to me, it was like, how am I gonna tell um Dave that I'm oppressed? the way he grew up, mm. you know? And Dave was one of my good friends, one of the, the first dudes I ever recorded music with. Um, and to me, that was the eye opener that this identity stuff doesn't matter. And and the point is like, he had a poster on his wall of Pantera Ooh. with the Confederate flag on it. Ooh. And he was always like, you know, it's about pride, not prejudice, right? And to me growing up, I was like, that sounds like some bullshit. <laughs> but, you know, if that's what you take out of it, then right. that's fair. Well, to see, well, the challenge there is to see the 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 minuscule ounce of truth. I think there's an ounce of truth in. Yeah, there, no, there isn't just an ounce of truth. What happened with Reconstruction is that the Northeast went into the South. Mm-hmm. They divided it up, the spoils of war, and they fucked those people economically, and it oh, yeah. still stands to this day. And I have to say, you know, <laughs> frankly, if I'm going to be chauvinist about anything, like like proud, it's I mean to be a Northerner Yankee. Pardon me, but. Uh, you know, my family, a lot of them, they come from Missouri, Southern thing, country thing. And I hear things about that. And I think, I'm from Ohio. And I rarely am I proud of being from Ohio. But Union, um, I don't mind the fact that the industrialist North shut down the South in the struggle for hegemony and American power. Pardon me, but... No, I, mean, it's, I don't it's the mind, way they I don't mind it. either, right? Yeah. It's the way well, they I'm did not it, saying though. it was pretty. It wasn't good. No, no, no. It's not but that it's they they shut them down, but you don't have to um you know, exploit people like regular people to the degree that they did. Well, carpetbaggers wasn't the same as the Civil War, right? Right. Right. The Civil War is good ish. Oh. <laughs> you know, the results are good. Dead, uh, right. The result Those uh, aren't the results you're referring I mean, to. Yeah. Um, yeah. The sacrifice was worth it, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But at the same time, Reconstruction was the problem. It wasn't the Civil War. Um, it was Reconstruction. And the way that that happened pretty much made the South relegated to the Northeast. And well, to industry. Above yes, all. to industry. And... You know, you saw that manifest, but the problem with the Confederate flag is that that wasn't made by working class Southern people. That was, again, rich people rebelling against, you know, the the Harlem Renaissance Uh and, Mm -hmm. you know, the 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 original civil rights movements. Using the so-called poor whites. Right. Again, just like they did in the Civil War. Um, So that was Mm -hmm. the result of that. 
and ultimately to find to find free labor to enforce their insane cultural norms. Right. So I get where the rebel comes from. And but it's confused resentment. No, it's just confused. It is. But that that's that's because of how it was, how how it happened. But, you know, like I it's not the resentment that I respect. It's is the rebel. I respect the rebellion. It's just the problem with the rebel versus the revolutionary is when does the rebel become the revolutionary? Right. In this country, never. Because the rebel is generally and I wouldn't even say that America is based off of rebels against society. Right. I would say that is more on the right rebels against society. There are anarchists on the left that rebel against society. But for the most part, it's rebellion against who you deem to be your bully. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. and for a white guy who um, is a rebel against, um, you know, immigrants, the immigrant is deemed as a bully because they took our jabs, you know, and on the left, you know, the corporate, the boss becomes the bully. Where when you're talking, you're not necessarily you should be rebelling against your boss. Mm. You should be rebelling against the system, the economic system. And that's what differentiates between the rebel and the The uh, or the bully fighter and the um, the revolution. You think the rebel is a bully? The, 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 The rebel isn't a bully. The rebel is the nerd who's been bullied. And they're mm. fighting against the bully. Mm. All they can see is the bully. And the way they understand. What I, wa- what I want to say is that the rebel and the revolutionary share, they share an understanding of um, of injustice. Yes. With respect to power. Mm-hmm. But the rebel understands it only with respect to individuals. The revolutionary right. understands it with respect to systems. Right. And so the rebel yes. becomes the revolutionary when... You know, he or she understands like it's not about this boss or this mm-hmm. person. It's about like these we, we've society as such we've created. It's is, about roles, is, in right? The system, right? Man. Right? So speaking to the left, what I see on the left to get into it again, the, the the politics of it is on the left how this is expressed as direct action, and that direct action is against the bosses or against the landlords. When if you talk to what I would say a revolutionary would say is it's not about the bosses. It's not about the landlords. It's not about management. It's about, you know, the financial system. Mm -hmm. And it's about the people who have ownership of that financial system. Mm -hmm. Right. And because that was the, the difference between the civil rights movement in the South and the North. Right. The civil rights movement in the South was against systematic oppression. Right. Um. And the civil rights movement on the North, which failed largely, was against um, basically um, what King called de facto racism, mm-hmm. which was black people can't get jobs, so mm-hmm. they're relegated to ghettos. So, so that means obstruction from upward mobility in a sort exactly. of professional managerial way. I mean, not just in a professional managerial well, way. Getting a promotion, getting a better job. Not a, 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 um, a, a um, you know, lack of access to capital. Right. So when we talk about ownership of the means of production, when he came to the north, he understood that there was a lack of access to the means of production. But in the south, where everyone had a general lack of access to the Let's means of production, capital, yeah. the 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 manifestation was in pure, um, you know, identity type of racism. Right. We're barring people with dark skin from access mm. to these institutions. Yeah. Well, that's the thing there. Like. There's a challenge for the rebel to overcome, namely you have to see not only you have to see the way in which um, 
you're not unlike the person that is Tate. How'd you say taking your jab? Taking your jabs. But rather you have to see the way in which you're similar. Exactly. Because, I mean, you've got competition within the working class vis-a-vis one another. And then you've got competition between the working class and the ruling class. Also, like, there's competition within the ruling class. Capitalists compete, obviously, as well. So, yeah, how it manifests on the left politically is I see them wanting to rebel against their bosses, like, like in, in the housing um, issues, what I see a lot of is people want to have direct action against landlords, but they don't want to have direct action against banks. When the equation is, if they understood like the equation of it is that it's very basic. Who does a renter have to pay? They have mm-hmm. to pay their landlord. Mm-hmm. Who does the landlord have to pay? Who does someone with a mortgage have to pay? Who's also working class, right? Mm-hmm. If you need to have that type of uh, unity, right? If you need that proxy to have proper politics, right, right. Um, your parents own houses, maybe, right? They have to pay, um, you know, a bank, same as a landlord. The power so is financial. Yeah. Who is the enemy of all of these people? The bank, right? Well, it's like it's it's not well, yeah, the banks. So, but like Mark says, in theory, is a surplus value. Um, unlike uh, ground rent and um, landed property, real estate, finance capital is not um, an unproductive drain on aggregate surplus value production. Finance capital is the essence of capital. So when so we can translate the sort of popular uh, expression, the antipathy towards banks, into a like a scientific one by saying, you know, it's that's finance capital understood as the essence of capital. I mean, I think that would be the the right move to make there. But you know, we said we didn't want to. I said I didn't want to dice up these diced up distinctions, but I feel like there is a distinction to make among the anti-establishment left like you've got these people who say this what you're saying this this um, systemic understanding um but also among the anti-establishment left you've got some some rebels no who don't have that understanding that's what i'm saying yeah that there are people who don't have that understanding of the establishment <clears throat> what's and their deal it leads them to that's what i'm saying they're the people who rebel against they rebel against their landlord or their their manager or instance. their man or the boss right the, the boss. bosses they um create this dichotomy of the ruling class and they don't explain what the ruling class is right um you know uh because your landlord odds on favorite unless you live in you know a, a large development is not a part of a ruling class and they're probably still not a part of the ruling class. Right. Um, So they are still beholden to the banks, which are still beholden to the federal reserve. Mm. Right. And that's where your problem is. That's where you need to, um, you know, uh, take power from. That's where, that's, 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 that's where you need to, to, to focus. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, on the left, you know, I don't want to knock anybody who's involved in direct action because it can lead, it can turn a rebel into a revolution. And it can help people. And yes, more importantly, it can help people, right? And that's very important in turning people from rebels into revolutionaries. It's just, if you have an aesthetic, going back to the original conversation of this is a rebellion, mm-hmm. um, then- You can't tell me what to do. That's what they're trying right. to signal. Right? If you can't tell me what to do, then you're not going to get the people who are on the periphery who just want change because rebellion is not going to produce that. Mm-hmm. And people recognize that. Mm-hmm. Burning down a municipal building 
It does not send the clear signal. Oh, let's say defund the police. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does not send a clear signal of how the right. system can change. That is that is rebellion for the anti-establishment left in a certain way. Right? It can be explained easily that defund the police is take money off of militarized police, put it into schools, which have a greater effect on diminishing crime. You can explain it. But you have to do work to explain it. Well, that's that's why it's not politically efficacious. Right. You have to explain anything. Which means gonna... aesthetically, I think it would be better to say something like demilitarize the police. Because the problem with adding more funds to the police or taking funds to the from the police is basically... What we want police to have is things like healthcare rather than more weapons and more training on how to use those new weapons, right? So you don't necessarily have to even defund the police to get what you want because what you really want is more money into social programs Mm -hmm. and more money into the actual psychological and wellness of police. And you want them reoriented towards an approach to the psychological wellness of the community and not the... um, you know, uh, punishment yeah. of the community. Well, and that's a different statement than just defund the police because people can take that to many different conclusions. Right. And you'll sound like a rebel and alienate people that you should be should be allying with. Because like you said, realizing that, quote, identity doesn't matter doesn't mean that identity doesn't exist. It means forging a coalition that can achieve something. Mm-hmm. So... Like, what do you guys think of how the left rebels? Well, we got this two, these two, two groups within the left anti-establishment camp. We got the one that's rebellious, let's say, and we got the one that's at least aims to be revolutionary. But if we're right, maybe often tends to be more rebellious than revolutionary. Well, I mean, what's ironic is I think that the left that is mostly just rebellious appropriates revolutionary yes imagery you know like the mm-hmm. sort of um the guillotine mm-hmm. you know what i mean these are just they're just anarchists yeah they don't actually want anything i mean they'll say they want something to change right but i don't because they so, have actually. To, they have to say that they want things to change but like at the end of the day i think that like they're what they really like is just LARPing. Yeah. They like to just sort of do the thing. They what like, they, they're they like to sort of fantasize about beheading the rich or whatever. To perform their, um, but most of like, these people are like, like I want to behead the rich, but at the same time, it's like, if you don't acknowledge my specific pronouns, I'm going to be triggered and have a PTSD episode. I'm going to use Killer Mike <laughs> as an example of this, right? In, in a very, in a positive way, right? Because um, Killer Mike has a, um, you know, a lyric that says, uh, you know, um, all my cripples and my bloodles when you go niggas unite and kill the police motherfuckers, right? But as soon as people started lighting up police buildings, Killer Mike told everybody to calm down. Calm down. Which signals to me that he might actually be a revolutionary, right? right. As much as that doesn't appeal to the rebel, which is the majority of this, Counterintuitive. he wants change. Like yeah. He's a revolutionary, real. right? So he started uniting with Bernie Sanders and all that, right? So Killer Mike, might he seems to be a revolutionary as opposed to a rebel. And I think also with the squad, where we might disagree, is that 
the reason why you're seeing an aesthetic which seems to be like an appeal to um, trendiness and to the rebel, to the middle class, is because the problem on the left is that the rebel is centralized. So if you actually want to turn the rebels, if that's what you got, you got Mm -hmm. these rebels, and you want them to be revolutionaries, you're going to have to use that rebel aesthetic, which to us comes off as disingenuous, but it may be in service of something bigger. That's what I see coming from them. Um, So I think they are a very positive force. So what you're saying is like there's a temptation of immediate gratification. It's like junk food. It tastes good, but it's not ultimately nutritional. But it's it's necessary. Satisfying. Well, the thing is like... You can't just be satisfied with immediate gratification. You got to play the long game, which means you don't just burn down the police office in Minneapolis. Maybe you don't burn down anything, but you actually change something. Right. And also, like you're always saying is like on the left, you often see a mentality of I'm the kid who only eats spaghetti or chopped up, chopped up hot dogs and macaroni and cheese. And I don't want anything else. Well, if you're the revolutionary and that's the, the, the group you got. If you don't want them to die, you're going to have to feed them some of the spaghetti and the hot dogs and maybe put some broccoli inside of it, right? And eventually they might like broccoli. You're going to have to ground it up real fine to get them to eat it. You know, I mean, sure, sure. But <laughs> you're going to have to do that, right? You can't just say, no, you're not getting spaghetti well, the, and the, hot dogs. The, Fuck you. The question is, can you make lemonade with these lemons? I mean, that's, that's the question. the question. I think you're going to have to. I mean, we're going to have to make some pink lemonade, I think. But maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe that was the, the red left, blue left distinction we were making, that maybe these are not the lemons you're looking for. These, these are not the droids. droids you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. Right? Some, so some Obi-Wan Kenobi Jedi mind tricks. Maybe we should be looking for more fertile ground and not trying to tend this soil that's just purely rebellious. Okay, so what we're saying is, among the anti-establishment lefts, so we got some people who, who want to look cool and burn it down. We got some people who are willing to, like, let's say, postpone the pleasure of immediate gratification, play the long game. And uh, they want systemic change, even though that word has gotten a sort of, that word has sort of been co-opted in all kinds of um, establishmentarian ways. Um, So that seems to carve out the bottom left of our quadrangle of American politics. Triangles are always bad. Okay, so... So we've gotten more specific than strong on the right and intelligent on the left, but we got one square left. One square. The upper left square. And the that's real squares. The real. Um, now we got the Democrats, the establishment folks, who are our favorite whipping bo- boys and girls, <laughs> our voodoo dolls. Perhaps. I hate them. Okay, so I was right about that. I hate them more than anyone, I think. Hate will get us nowhere, Adam. They yeah, will hate them. Hate is the problem. I think that hate is um kind of like the um not 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 to put you guys down, but I think the hate comes from a place of the abused child who hates the mother rather than the father who's whooping his ass. Ooh, <laughs> so you're saying we got some leftist resentment going on? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the GOP does a lot more of whooping your ass. Well, okay, that may be the, that may be the truth. I don't know. Um, oh yeah, you hate that you hate the mother because she didn't protect you. Exactly. Yeah. What? Okay, so this is some fucked up psychology. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, how do we save this crashing, crashing? We don't need to save it. So you just let it burn. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think I feel minimally justified. I mean, having grown up, so I grew up conservative, then bought into the Democratic establishment, left wing thing. Mm-hmm. John Kerry, 
Yeah, Barack Obama. Barack Obama, big time Obama. And then, you know, like going into Bernie Sanders because I thought it campaigned because I thought it'd be good without any special, you know, there wasn't, the antipathy towards Clinton didn't really exist among many people, I think, at that point, although a lot of people hated I her. I think it did. But but I think among many leftists, it didn't yet. I didn't hate her that much. Me neither. I just didn't, I didn't think about her. Right. Right. Yeah. You it know what until, I mean? It was like. It wasn't until I'd gone to like seven states doing the boots on the ground footwork. And I saw the treachery inside the Democratic Party to make sure that that, that Hubert Humphrey never happens again after George McGovern. Mm. And then I thought, we can never win in this party. Yeah. And that's when mm. I thought, like, you know, I remember somebody saying to me, a colleague, he said, you know, X person is the enemy because they're an establishment Democrat. And this was a person in power, but a likable person. And I said, wow, that's a little too strong, don't you think? I mean, not the enemy, just, you know, maybe an obstruction or something. But I've come to see... It's it's still not quite the enemy in the same way, but like th- there is an enemy like character to the obstructionist. No, I would say they're your main enemy because they're your direct opposition. Um, and um, another example of that was um, who 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 was the the black woman that was originally in Donald Trump's thing, Armorosa, right? The and, one he uh, turned on viciously. Yeah, and he um, turned on her viciously. And I remember when she got out, there was a lot of black criticism of her, like. You know, we're not let, like they let everyone else in the resistance, right? Everyone was in the resistance. Bob Mueller's in the resistance. They were even gonna let in George Bush into the resistance, but Armorosa's not making it into making it into this shit, right? And I think it was like this idea of as black people, we need to produ- uh, we need to police our house because she is close to us because uh-huh. of her being black. So we need to make sure we don't let her get off on this shit. She's not getting off because we have responsibility over her. And I think the direct opposite, you know, is true on the left. I think your opposition is the establishment left because they see you as directly opposed to the power structure that they're inside of. Right. Mm-hmm, so right. if they I mean, want to maintain the opposition, yeah, if they want to maintain control of the left, Right. You are the closest opposition that they need to destroy. And that's why I think the first order, like I said last time, the first order is to either defuse or dissolve to sort of neutralize the internal opposition of the left, or at least to reinterpret it such that we're not all one thing, such that there are on our side. Because it's like having the enemy in your own house. I mean, you can't do anything with them. Right. So I had a conversation with someone one time when the defund the police uh, uh-huh, right, I remember that. movement. I would say it was a movement at the. It had potential to be a movement at the time, um, but and, now it's become so entirely like it's been made a an aspect of the establishment do gooder program. Yeah, I, I mean it was co opted yeah, by it can't be um, establishment forces. But even before that, what I was saying to this person was that. Um, We need to, if we're going to approach this, right, we need to approach it on its merits. We, if you're going to go, like I told this person, I don't agree with the slogan defund the police, but if we're going to do this, we need to do this, right? We can't go in with our separate politics. We can't go in with our agenda. Mm -hmm. We need to do this and we need to do it in a way that clarifies how it can be productive, 
right? And to forge a connection with the communities in question exactly. such that you can be politically effective. That's how you do it, right? You have to go into these communities. You do their thing to the fullest so that they know that you are soldiers for their cause, right? right? And then from knowing the soldier dynamic for that cause, you can be they can be soldiers for your cause and you can be leaders um, for their cause, right? And um, Or let's say facilitators. Right. And what I was told is that the um, movement on the ground dictates, you know, the terms. Mm-hmm. And Tailism. Um, what I was told was basically, um, you know, we don't join these. We, we're, we're leaders in these movements. And, you know, um, when we do United Front politics, basically, we make sure we can get something out of it. Um, we, we make sure that we punch above our weight. We can get more out of it than what we get. And it, it to me seemed like a flip because I was called opportunist in the way I was trying to present things. And it seemed like a flip of what was truly opportunist. Right. Well, you're actually trying to do politics, I think, where you like set a goal and you achieve it. Whereas I think a lot of the leftist psychology, which is pointed on that passage is a kind of LARPing performance thing where you're just trying to signal and display to others. Give a speech. Your virtue, basically. And I think... um, and that's the issue, I think, ultimately. Like, I don't condone TK's uh, ultimate program, right, obviously, because it's fucking nuts. And well, and it's grounded in kind of questionable psychology. But but I think the f- he's got a finger on the pulse there when it comes to, like, distinguishing things. And right. again, I think the left just wants to have an eternal struggle. It doesn't want to succeed. Because if it ever succeeded, then the game would be over and it could stop performing its virtue. It, it, it's like these, you know, it's classic. And especially in European politics, you see this. <clears throat> leftist parties, leftist political parties are great in opposition. Right. But if they ever, if they ever win, mm-hmm. it's a disaster because they can't govern because they don't know how to govern. Right. All they know how to do is push other people in a direction. Right. And, and that can have a certain function, which is, you know, Well, they productive. also don't want to be the status quo. And being in Understandably. power, being on being in power means you are the status quo. Understandably, that's the weird tension of left politics. You have an ideal society that you want to create, mm-hmm. which by definition is not also, real. So you're, you're doomed also, to never realize it. Well, in a but you're respect. also sort of you're also sort of fundamentally against a kind of stagnating sense of the status quo, mm-hmm. and so you're always just kind of rejecting. You're always sort of your own. Your only understanding of anything is. No, 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 no. It's, be it's just way. mere negation. Right. And so the danger is then what you're basically saying is you can't do politics because, mm-hmm. I mean, politics in the sort of real politics sense is uh, real politic. I mean, let's say, let's say just real politics is about establishing a goal, determining an end, determining which means at your disposal to, to achieve it mm-hmm. and achieving it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's that's not consensus building. That's not the leftist conception of politics where it's about like yeah. hand-holding kumbaya, yada, yada. But I mean, that's why the right wins and the left loses because we just want our consciences and our clean hands. And of course, clean hands are no hands, so we just lose. And so when they actually get that governing position, it's just, it's just, you know, I, for just to give you an example, Die Linke in Germany, 
when they actually when they actually get a chance to do something, say something, it's like, all right, what are you what are you gonna do? They're like, well, we're gonna defend coal miners because they're laborers, and we're for laborers, so we're gonna defend the coal industry so they don't lose their jobs. It's like, well, nice, <laughs> nice. So I'll get to something like what TK was saying. I think it boils. I like down that we call to- him TK. By the way, I mean, I don't know. That's what we started out with. I like t- just TK is just the name. You know, yeah. Um, I've never actually known a, a guy named TK or, or, or called TK, but so it, it's it's fine. Um, it works. I think um, what he's essentially saying is that talk is cheap, and to that point, when you're gonna use talk, if talk is cheap, um, then if you're gonna use just talk. Be a hypocrite if you need to be, right? If you need to be conciliatory to assuage the emotions or the fears of white people, mm-hmm. do it because it's easy. And as far as politics goes, right, it's it's an easy action to do in order to, you know, get what to attain your goals, right? Yeah. So talk is cheap, right? That's what he's saying. So use it cheaply, right? But I think what he's missing is that on the left, talk is currency. It's the main currency, right? Mm -hmm. So with talk being the main currency, that's the intellectualism we were talking about at the beginning. And if talk isn't cheap to the left, that is the goal, right? It is the talk. Right. It's it, you, you talk the talk and you don't have to walk, man, because you're at you're at your computer. Right. right. You're on Twitter. There's no walking on Twitter. Yeah. Right. There's no action. It's all talk, baby. Um, it's all talk. And if that's the currency that we're dealing with on the left, all this talk and this intellectualism, TK is getting the he's getting the left right and he's getting it wrong. Right. Okay. How's he getting it right? How's he getting it wrong? How's he getting it right? And how's he getting it wrong is because he's saying that talk is cheap. Right. Which means that you should utilize talk in service of your political goals, no matter what you have to do. Like the geo, like Marco Rubio saying, we should be a, a party that includes everyone, knowing mm-hmm. that that's not possible in his party because talk is cheap. Donald Trump saying, "I'm the best president for black people ever." It's crazy. Talk is cheap. He can say that, right? But on the left, people go fucking nuts because talk is currency on the left. Yeah. Oh my god. Right. Tweets, uh, You're saying this, takes, it's not whatever. true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Elizabeth Warren is going to go into the Rose Garden and name all of the She's trans women who've been exactly. murdered or whatever. Oh my God. Yeah. Did you read the article? It was the Bush, the guy from the Bush administration who said the difference between Bernie Sanders is all he cares about is working class politics. But Elizabeth Warren is going to go into the Rose Garden and read all the names of. of I got yelled at for fucking making fun of that shit. She's going to read. Which is the left. That's that's the left. But the as funny I see. thing is, though, that's coming from an ultra neocon war criminal. And the left thinks that that means something. Right. I mean, because talk is the currency. So the actual rhetoric around affirmative action, we need to be unapologetic is what people on the left say. Right. We need to be unapologetic. Bold. But unapologetic in what? Bold. Right. Are you going to go out there and be unapologetic because... You know, so if we're talking about the establishment left, especially, and you see people's reaction to police violence is, we're going to light up the streets, we're going to burn some stuff. And you're like, no, 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 that's a bad look, right? Or defund the police is a bad slogan. You know, their response to defund the police being a bad slogan isn't that it makes them do too much work. It's because it just sounds bad. Well, they want to, 
Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of leftists just want to look as radical as possible. It doesn't. It's whether it can succeed at forging a coalition that can find the means to achieve a concrete end or not. That's not their concern. No, I mean, I, what I think we're boiling down to, reading that, is that on the left, the rhetoric is the revolution. The right? rhetoric is the revolution. The rhetoric is the revolution. Never happens. Right? It doesn't matter if it happens. You have to be unapologetic in your rhetoric. And if people aren't on board with that, that means that they're not going to be revolutionaries. So I express who I am genuinely and sincerely. Yes. And if they like me, they'll accept me. And if they don't, then gosh, I guess I don't belong it's, to that club. You know, they're they're more like um I'm 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 uh, misinterpreting this quote, but I uh it, it's it's uh it's Bruce Lee. Uh martial art is honestly expressing oneself. You know, I can put on a show and be cocky. You know, show some fancy moves, but to honestly express oneself without lying to oneself is very hard to do. Well, even if you succeed, it's great for TV, but it doesn't change the status quo. Right. But I think what Bruce Lee was saying, who was the guy who only poster of any athlete I've ever had on my wall, Bruce Lee was my guy. Um, But what he was basically saying is that, you know, you can put on this show and be cocky, right? But to honestly express yourself, you know, without lying to yourself, it's hard to do to actually apply those actions to actually create a martial art that's effective is hard to do. But putting on the show is easy. Well, that's the easy part, right? Right. But I don't that's think, what's within our power. But the left only recognizes the show because the right. academia winning in academia. You guys are more involved in academia than I am. Right. Well, what does winning look like in a college setting? Well, the problem is that it comes from that setting. And so looking right is success in that setting. And so the assumption is that looking right outside of that setting will also get you success. And I think that's false. But um, Adam, what do, you, hmm? what do you think? What do I think about what? The uh, academic, academic tendency of the, the establishment left, let's say. I think or they should not. all be... Okay, we might have to edit that out. Martyred how? They should be martyred. Oh, martyred. <laughs> you need to understand on, on the left. I think we should though. every university in this country. Definitely edit that out. Okay, now say something serious. I don't agree. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> I think we've we've dropped below radar at this point. But um, going to like the establishment left, which is what we were supposed to be talking about, I think oh. they... Um, I think it's also the same that the uh, the rhetoric is the major currency. Yeah, There's yeah, because they the don't want to achieve the, right. the power. Ultimately, what they want to do is just perform their virtue. Because they back, have the power. Well, they have the amount of power they want. Okay, so who are you talking about? So I'm talking about the establishment left. Okay, right? so that means who? I mean, they have names um, and addresses. Who are you talking about? So you're talking about... Um, um, why am I forgetting names? Who Who, who is... Fucking establishment left like yeah. Pelosi and Schumer, Pelosi, Schumer, and, yeah. uh, Biden. You mm. know, um, yeah. yeah, they certainly enjoy their. Sort I mean, of, Obama and Clinton are the yes. the, the primary. I mean, they, they have the amount of power they want. So right. now, in order to maintain that power, all they need is rhetoric. So right, they don't. Right. They will never face the situation that I named for the anti-establishment sort of subaltern left, where it's like. You know, you, you talk this revolutionary talk, but if you ever actually got power, you wouldn't know how to govern right. because what you're really interested in is just demonstrating your moral superiority. In their case, like they don't even want the power. They ultimately want to be subalterns so that they can only ever exhibit their right. moral superiority. And 
as a party and then mm-hmm. privately enjoy the benefits of having an oligarchic um, rentier right because they're all rich. I mean, party. Right. I mean, Nancy Pelosi is worth one hundred and twenty million dollars, right? I mean. Yeah. They, they don't Insane. they want the power. They just don't want overwhelming power. They want they don't want the power to actually create a revolution. They want power as individuals. They don't want political power. No, I think they want political power, but they want a certain sweet spot of political power. Mm. They want the amount of they want the majority. They want the political sweet spot. But they don't want a majority that's so overwhelmingly overwhelming that it demands change. Right? They don't want hope. They want they want the hope. They don't want the change. They want right? to Defend their privilege. Did right. someone say privilege? No, you saying privilege. But that's that's what I think. When people say that they don't want to win, that's what I think people mean, right? I think they want to win. They're not trying to lose. But by win, but they mean they want to win to a degree that is maintainable for them. That they maintains want the status their quo status. To, they want the status quo to serve them. Right. And once you go beyond that. They're going to shut you down, which in the end, just like currency becomes important to or, or rhetoric becomes the currency of the far left aesthetic, the because it allows the anti-establishment yeah. left, because it allows you to be a part of the meritocracy without the money. Mm-hmm. If you're on the establishment left, you mm-hmm. got the money. So you're part of the meritocracy. Now you police the rhetoric mm-hmm. in order to maintain that position. Mm-hmm. One is there are two different types of defensive positions. Well, one is a defensive position, one is an offensive position. So rhetoric in service of being an offensive and getting you socially into the meritocracy is the 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 um the radical left or however you put it. Um and anti-establishment and the establishment left and on the right, it's defensive because you're already in the meritocracy and it maintains your They're position. They're just trying to defend the privilege. Exactly. Too. So, so interesting. So what you're saying then is that there's a certain coincidence between the upper left hand corner of our quadrangle and the bottom right hand. So the establishment Democrats and the subaltern uh, anti-establishment right wingers, they both don't want anything basically to change. They just want to keep their little privileges. Whereas the upper right hand uh, corner, the GOP establishment they feel pretty sovereign and uh, they are sort of dictating the rules of the game, whereas the bottom left hand, the left oids of all shapes and sizes, they're just sort of a circus of antipathy and uh, outbursts and attention-seeking behavior. Right. And they also share the, um, the resentment of the bottom of the right. Mm. You know, the working class. Well, right. that's the thing. That's the challenge. If we could, if we could find some way to... Uh, Forge a unity, and then this will get you crucified among some people, but if you could forge a unity between anti-establishment subaltern groups, I feel like the vast majority would have united against the overwhelming minority in the economic Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. And the music gets better. Mm. The parties are better. Mm. You get both of the the good parties. That is true. Yeah. I, I still say the right party's better. They don't. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. <laughs> I mean, honestly, worst I, music though. If I had to pick between living in a really conservative right community and a you know, liber- I would pick the right right community every day of the week. What What is your position in this community, though? They're less judgmental. No, no, no. I mean, 
So <laughs> where you're living at dictates towards you. Yeah. All right, I'm white. I mean, look, I'm not. I'm not going to put myself easy in any of these four corners. I mean, and I'm not in the middle either. I'm not neutral. I'm not any. I mean, I don't really think of myself as any of them. Of course, well, you I guys just are mean, in one of them. I'm just you're somewhere in the quadrangle. I mean, I'm drawing a quadrangle. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say, where would where would I live? Maybe this would be our closing thoughts. Where would I live? I mean, I'd live right where I do live, in an urban area with all kinds of people. Where you gotta figure it out and slog it out and everything else. I would say that puts you in the middle of the um what did you call the bottom right? And the um the all right? <laughs> the all right and the um Hell no. I wanna live in the, I'm TK. I wanna live in the middle of nowhere. I think that puts you in the middle of the alt right and the uh the, the, Man, the I'm bottom living left. In I'm living in Chicago with the with the other Working people. I mean, I don't live downtown. I think that's where the working class is. I think they're in the middle of the 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 bottom of the right and the left. All right, yeah, I, I think, think so too. You're 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 out in uh, what? Mm, Montana. 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 His land is up for sale right now. Which I'm... is why you live in Chicago. <laughs> you know that. I mean, it's getting bidded up on eBay or something. Probably. Yeah. It's like I don't I don't want the nerd aesthetic. Should be mine. Um, you earned it. Where are you gonna live, Teddy? Where am I gonna wh- what? When this is, where would I choose to live? Where do you want to live? Where do I want to live? New Orleans, man. Best parties, best music. They got all of it. Good weather. All right. Except for the fucking hurricanes. Yeah, which are getting worse lately. Yeah. Climate change. uh... (laughs) Um, You know, maybe maybe I'll settle for Atlanta. Maybe that's a little red left. I mean, Atlanta, I mean, as far as hip hop is concerned, Atlanta's been producing <laughs> some good shit for a long time, man. Like, when you want to see hip hop start to change and progress, Atlanta like usually hits you with something when hip hop is on the decline. Right, you know? right. It's always the best like Swan Lil, song. Lil John, for instance. Or Outkast, <laughs> more importantly. Outkast brought hip hop back in the mid to in the early 2000s. Yeah, That's a long yeah. time ago. Exactly, but if you're talking about yeah. now, you got like JID is is bringing back hip hop. What does that mean, Jid? What does that mean? J, I mean JID. You got a, a a black, you know, what people people six lack <laughs> or black. They're bringing back hip hop. They're from uh, District Six in Atlanta. Don't a, don't ask what things mean. Man. You're talking Greek to me, man. I'm a you know speaking American to you, man. Yeah, talk, talk American shit. To me. Daniel might as well be. <laughs> A 1950s Republican. Well, I mean, Eisenhower wasn't that bad. <laughs> well, he had a 90% tax rate on the wall. That's what I mean. You know what he said? If you want socialism, everyone should join the military. And then he got the GI Bill. And frankly, that would clean up the army, Boom. ladies and gentlemen. Boom. Problem solved. Because you, you got 100% whistleblowers. And no more don't ask, don't tell. No more this, no more that. Sure. Everyone in America is... A fucking patriot. Militarized and, and patriot, patriotic in a way that isn't uh, politically um, charged partisan this way, that mm-hmm. way. You know who was telling you to do that uh, recently? The Russians? No, no, no. You know who was telling you to do that in this last election? Sadius? No. Pete Buttigieg. Huh. <laughs> you, know who else? you know who else said we should have universal military conscription? Frederick Jameson. Frederick Jameson. The last great American Marxist. So... Put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's right, baby. (laughs) (laughs) There's some unity left. All right. What are we talking about next time? (laughs) Nothing.
How about um, how about we talk fascism for real? Okay. All right. I'd love to talk fascism for real and how there is no threat of fascism at all. all right. <laughs> a fascist threat. All right. I'm convinced that there is not a real threat of fascism. I don't think fascism will ever come to America. My question is, if we're going towards neo-feudalism, is that fascism? Okay, so fascism and neo-feudalism. Yep. That's what we're talking about next time. All right, let's do it. All yeah. right. All right. Ciao. All right, so long. Peace. Peace.